When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love. Every day in the nice little Canadian town of Beavermount, Ontario, is pretty much the same. Folks are polite. There's a hockey game that evening. And someone gets brutally murdered. Sorry About the Murder, a very Canadian murder mystery podcast. New episodes weekly. Listen to season one now by typing Sorry About the Murder into your favorite podcast app. Ah, bello! In this world, there are more stories than layups in the NBA. Some are underhanded, some are gimmies, some are fouled. But all are worth the two points. So, open up your baskets wide and listen. Welcome to Brushtown Stories, Episode 16, the leather-bound prestige edition of The Rise and Fall of the Mole Empire, annotated with glitter as related to Melissa Lusk, with variant hologram cover. Melissa Lusk sat on the edge of the couch. She was arranging various colored blocks into a small tower. Her daughter Agnes named each color as she stacked the blocks. It had been a long day, but she was in a good mood. She was writing a new song about a bee that falls in love with a grasshopper, and then the bug couple jointly runs for invertebrate congress and impeaches the evil roach that runs the government. Maybe it was more than a song. A whole concept album? How many words rhyme with insect? Binsect? Dinsect? Ginsect? Well, that's done so far. Maybe... Her thoughts of arthropod rhyming were interrupted by her husband, Matt, who burst in with takeout from Mr. Big Dumpling. He put the bag on the counter and said, We have to record the Brushtown intros and outros. Melissa feigned a smile. Great, she replied. Her husband had gotten obsessed with referring to moles in the outros. Originally, his writing partner, Jonathan, was supposed to write the intros and outros, but he had decided he was done writing outros. Jonathan claimed that outros were the belly button of the devil, and he would not dare to poke them. That, or he was just busy at work. That wasn't exactly clear, and she hadn't really been listening. But she was pretty sure the words devil and belly button were used in some context. Matt opened the food and handed her a crab rangoon. Crab rangoon, warm afternoon, she thought. Maybe there was a song in that. Maybe the grasshopper eats crab rangoons by the light of the moon. Or, so, Matt said, interrupting her imaginary insect opera. Yes, it was an opera now. So, I was in the library with Agnes for her music class, and I got bored because, you know, babies, they're pretty, you know. I mean, not Agnes, she's the best. Anyway, I went into the dark occult section of the library, and I found this book, Molimos of Penopolis. And it's got some nice mole things, you know, for the outro. There was this spell or something. I copied it down, so I thought we could just punch in you doing the spell in the end of the episode. I already recorded an outro, Melissa replied, between bites of Rangoon. Yeah, but that was about mole sauce, and it's not even pronounced mole, it's just sort of. It didn't feel authentic, true to the mole spirit, you know? Mole spirit, right, she replied. After their dinner, 
they put Agnes to bed and got out the microphone. Matt handed her a handwritten copy of the text from that old occult tome. Ready, he said. Yeah, let's do this. She started reading the outro. That was weird. Anyway, as the ancient ones once intoned, Molatius Maximol Moltanus Molanus Molo Molo Molo. Suddenly, the room around Melissa vanished, and she was hurtled through time and space. She was enveloped in a riot of color and abstract shapes, then several melting clocks whizzed by, their hands spinning backwards. And then the universe settled. She was now in a lavender room with giant columns and a fountain. The fountain seemed to be made of jello and wiggled as she walked near it. She was about to touch it when a voice called out, Don't touch that. She didn't, but being told not to only made her want to touch it more. Did you enjoy your journey? The voice asked. Sure, I guess. How about those melting clocks? They symbolize time. You probably didn't get that being so... human. I got it, Melissa curtly replied. No, I don't think you did. The hands were going backwards because you... She cut him off. I got it. Clocks, melting time, backwards, all of it. Yes, because I explained it. But just to make sure, I need you to sign this document saying you didn't get it. I enter! Then a strange, giant, bald, humanoid sort of creature walked in. It had light blue skin and a second nose on its forehead. The being then made Melissa sign a document saying she didn't understand the clocks. She didn't want to sign, but then the creature informed her that signing the document would give six starving birds worms for a month via a charity, and she was all about that. Not because she cared about the starving birds, but because she hated worms. They were so smug. A worm once... It's not worth getting into. But she had her reasons. Serious reasons. She let the deep-seated worm hatred go and looked up at the strange, double-nosed, bald, blue creature. It looked nervous. Are you looking at my cosmic nose? It asked. It seemed almost offended. Um, no, Melissa lied. Rather, I was looking at your other nose. Alarmed, the being touched the nose on his forehead. My upper nose? Wait, so that's your regular nose? The cosmic nose is the one where your nose normally is? My nose is normally both places. This is going poorly, and it's been so long since we've had visitors. With that, the creature began to cry. Another being walked into the room. It sighed and went to the first being. We talked about this. Come on, buddy. You're just too raw right now. The second being turned to Melissa. We are eggling hermaphrodites. That was the way of Earth humanoids before the Hyperboreans meddled with your DNA via the cosmic dream way. But during our laying cycle, our second nose becomes stuffed with the feelings of the dust of sorrow. So we're easily brought to moo tears. That's what we call tears. Why don't you just call them tears, Melissa asked. Shut up, that's why. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean that, the being replied. Are you also feeling cosmic emotions beyond my perception, Melissa asked? No, the being replied. I'm just kind of a jerk. But hello! Thanks for visiting us here. The last continent of Melantis!
Whoa, that's where I am? I was reading an ancient spell and yes, yes, the being said excitedly as it interrupted her. That spell brought you here so you could see what once was. You didn't have to interrupt. I must interrupt you, another being said. He then said nothing else. Melissa was about to continue before another being pre-interrupted her, saying, Did you recite the spell because you were so taken by the fanciful stories and myths of Molantis that you wanted to see our amazing pre-antediluvian civilization? Um, no, I was doing a dumb podcast, and she trailed off as she noticed more and more of the humanoid creatures walking toward her. One that seemed to be a leader stepped forward. Stupid madness, dumb copying spells always getting her whisked away to weird dimensions, she thought. Ugh, I have things to do! Well, not really... But I could be doing things. She was trying to get enough coins for the skeleton suit in Super Mario Odyssey. That was something. Another being put her hand on her shoulder. Because you so love us and wished so hard to meet us, your heroes, you were magically transported to this ever-living dream of Molantis. None of that, Melissa replied. Rather, my husband. 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 That word is unknown to we, but we do know of the word... Rubber band. Is a husband like a rubber band? Only around pizza bagels, she said with a laugh. They did not get the joke, which was probably because it was too inside baseball about Matt's weird rubber band-like actions around pizza bagels. Actually, on further thought, maybe it wasn't funny at all. Maybe it was a deep-rooted problem that- But Melissa didn't have time to consider this because the being pressed forward with its agenda. Welcome to Melantis. I am called something that has no equal in your language, it said. Oh, Melissa replied. Then what should I call you? My name, the being replied. Something that has no equal in your language. That's my name, something that has no equal in your language. Oh, your name is something that has no equal in your language. Yes, something that has no equal in your language, something that has no equal in your language replied before adding, it's a family name. Something that has no equal in your language of the Mole Hill, something that has no equal in your languages. Indeed, another being said. And what's your name, Melissa asked the other being. Ted, it replied. Now shut your cutest button human mouth and listen to us. Your time in Melantis is short, and we must regale you with our glorious history. And with that, the creature recounted the story of Molantis, and it went a little something like this. In the ancient days, there was a lost continent between unlost continent of Africa and semi-lost continent of South America. This was a land where moles dug. Moles ate. Moles shrug. Basically, it had a lot of moles. Like 97% moles, but also the first proto-human intelligent beings. They developed a mole-based society, or molidy. But that word eventually fell out of favor due to it being associated with mole cola, a failed soft drink that was not good. These pre-humans developed awesome technology like molegraphy, molevision, and the mole air and mole space museums. But then the evil Atlanteans came from their other lost supercontinent, Atlantis. The Atlanteans hated the Molantians because they hated moles, and also they were super into, like, little cookies that were savory, like a biscuit, but not. It's hard to describe, like, hmm. Have you ever imagined that everything was edible? Like the walls were candy canes and the doors were... No? Um, me neither. 
Anyway, Atlantis wanted to destroy Melandian society, and they devised a plan to take the moon from its orbit and explode it so pieces of moon would rain down and crush Melantis. The Atlanteans waited until night, because that was the moon's natural habitat, and flew a chicken-powered rocket loaded with nuclear bombs because Atlanteans had developed both chicken and nuclear weapons. The rocket, or buck buck bagam as it was called by the head scientist, exploded the moon, raining pieces down the Molantians and destroying their world, tossing moles all across the world. And that's how moles spread to all the continents, even the famed Antarctic snow mole. And also pieces of the explosion caused many Molantians to explode, and the pieces of them that splatted across the world stuck on people's bodies and would form moles. In fact, moles are pieces of Molantians that have latched onto your bodies. Also, Malay sauce was created during this cataclysmic event. So, Malay sauce is directly related to moles, even though it's not pronounced the same, but it's authentic and true to the mole spirit. Anyway, then the Atlanteans made a deal with reptoids to hang a hollow balloon where the moon used to be. It was hollow because they couldn't pay for a solid moon balloon. But the Atlanteans then tried not to pay for any of it, so the reptoids sunk Atlantis because of this treachery. They should have remembered the old saying, Cheat a reptoid for a replacement moon, you'll end up a goon. Luckily, though, a brilliant Molantian scientist who was also a worrywart created a crystal seashell that would traverse dimensions and a few chosen Molantians. There was a lottery, though there was a scandal about how some winners were picked, but then the loser died, so the lawsuit was dropped. But anyway, the chosen few had their essence sent into the seashell, and then the seashell was punted by the famed Molantian football player Gruff Butkins into another dimension. And the secret teachings of Molantis became only legends and fragmented stories. And a few great alchemists and scholars were able to commune with the lost age, and that's how the spell was written. And via that spell, several great people learned how to visit Molantis and bring its great ideas back to the modern world, like Einstein, Gandhi, and Rich Little. And now you, Melissa. Melissa nodded, trying to act honored. Great, she said. So can I go back now? One of the beings nodded. Yes. You will go back to the moment when you said the spell in this whole lifetime you led because it took one hundred years to tell the story. See, you're old now. One of the beings held up a mirror, and indeed, Melissa was old. Her face wrinkled, her hair white. Ah, oh, my back. Kids today with their music in their pants. Ah, oh, my life. Yes, but this whole life will be like a waking dream. Something that has no equal in your language said. Oh, Melissa said. Like that Star Trek TNG episode where they encounter that probe and then Picard has that whole life as Galen and he plays the flute? Um, <laughs> no. Nothing like that. And we never saw that. And it's totally different, one of the beings said as he pushed a strange coin into her hand. Now take this coin as a reminder of all the great things you learned. And with that, she was back in her apartment. She shook the memories off. Was it just a dream? 
or a daydream or a late afternoon dream or a... But no, the coin was in her hand. She held it up and it rainbow shimmered in that weird way that roast beef does sometimes. Oh, Matt said, stopping the outro recording. What an amazing ancient coin from a time before time. He then took the coin from her hand and the perfect size to get caught in Agnes's throat. He then promptly flushed it down the toilet. He watched it go down the bowl. Now that's good parenting, he said. He was quite proud. He also enjoyed watching the toilet flush. It reminded him of Paris. Melissa smiled. Maybe let's lay off the mole stuff for a while, okay? Matt put his hand on her shoulder and smiled. Yeah, okay, he replied. And they lived molefully ever after. That was weird. Brushdown Stories is a Roy Gold production. It was written by Jonathan Goldberg with music by David Origlieri. Melissa Lusk is me. I'm Melissa Lusk. Find out more about the show and cast at podmusical.com. Find out more about anything other than moles on season two of The Fall of the House of Sunshine, coming early March 2018. Oh, thank goodness. Thanks for listening, and have a suntabulous bicuspid of a day! The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.